Welcome to this week's edition of An Hour of Your Life. My name is Kim. And I'm Steve. And I'm sitting here with a belly full of Wheat Penny. It's restaurant week here in Dayton. And we went out to Wheat Penny for dinner. Shout out to our friend Jess Biggers who gave us a gift card. Thank you, Jess. It was delicious. And so I have a belly full of Wheat Penny and I'm super sleepy, but that's all right. Yeah, the food was good. Oh, so good. So, tonight... Yeah, so last week and the week before, we talked about Dayton, which is my hometown for many generations, four, in fact. Now we're going to talk a little bit about your family history, kind of, sort of. Well, I have Indirect. A, I have a relative in this story, but yeah. this story is not about my relative. No, but you named your son after this relative. Yeah. So it's kind of a big deal. Okay. So tonight... We're going to be talking about a tale of a pioneer lady from Eastern Kentucky. It's a story of courage. It's a story of bravery. It's a story about toughness. And this lady's name is Jenny Wiley. Yeah. Um, but before we get into it, I do want to give a, a little bit of, um, I guess, a warning, kind of. Some of the things that we're going to be talking about are a little disturbing. It's a true story. It is it is a true story. There are some parts that are kind of embellished as happens because this took place, what, in the 1700s? Late 1700s. Um, so over time, you know, parts get embellished and you'll you'll kind of recognize what parts those are when we get to them. But so it's it's kind of a folktale, um, legend, truth. It's mostly a it's true mostly story. It's mostly true, but it's... you'll you'll see. There are some parts that are kind of folklore embellished. Um, but then there are other parts that are... Uh, the, when I was reading about it, it kind of made me uncomfortable to read about. So yeah. um, also one of the things that I do want to mention also is we are fully woke and politically aware. We are going to be talking about Native Americans in this story. However, we are going to use the term Indians. We don't mean any offense to anyone. However, that is, um, you know, it, in keeping with. It the, keeps it in the, the context the, of the, the story con- of when it was told. And the genre of folklore, and so on and so forth. So please, please don't write us angry letters at alosthour at gmail.com about how we did not use the term indigenous peoples or Native Americans or whatever. We really don't mean any offense to anybody. Um, We're just... It kind of keeps it in the context of the history here. We don't mean any harm. Yep. So before we get started in the story, let me set a little bit of the tone. So early explorers, now we're, again, we're talking here in the late 1700s, after the uh, Revolutionary War. So early explorers started coming over into Kentucky from Virginia, up from the Carolinas, and to the hunting grounds that were in Kentucky. And the the Native Americans used these grounds as their hunting grounds. Um, It was basically a wilderness at this time. There were a few settlers that were living there, but for the most part, it was a wilderness. And uh, the main Indians, the main tribes that were there, were the Shawnee, the Iroquois, and the Cherokee Indians. Now, the period was the late 1700s. Now, what's interesting is that there were no Native American encampments, nothing. They didn't live there. They would come down, they would hunt. For the most part, they were living mostly in Ohio and moved up north of the Ohio River and down south into Tennessee. But they were there were plenty of Native Americans in eastern Kentucky. There were just no villages, no permanent permanent settlements for the Native Americans right there. So also one of the things that I kind of noticed, it's interesting that you mentioned that one of the tribes is the Shawnee. 
um, because we're going to talk about Jenny Wiley was a white lady um, of European descent. And it was interesting to me kind of the way the Shawnee treated her because the Shawnee, if I'm not mistaken, were the same tribe um, that Blue Jacket, who if you're from the Dayton area, you're probably familiar with Blue Jacket. Um, I'm pretty sure he was affiliated with the Shawnee Indians. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Let me Google uh, it real quick. I don't know. Okay, I'm, well, I'm like 90% sure. Okay, well, let me keep going. So the area that we're talking about right here is south of the Ohio, Ohio River between the mouth of the Big Sandy River and the mouth of the Ohio River. So the economic base from which they, um, the, the Indians, the Native Americans, were using Kentucky as an economic base from where they took their furs, their deer skins, that they needed to trade. So, again, they weren't living here, but there were plenty of Native Americans that were occupying and in eastern Kentucky at this time. Yes, Blue Jacket was a Shawnee. Okay. See, I know my Ohio history. So, from the Native American perspective, the moves they made at this time were basically the moves that they'd been making for centuries. They were simply relocating their domestic um, centers to another part of their homeland, which they considered Kentucky their homeland, but they were not about to give up any claim or control over eastern Kentucky, even though they were living in different parts of um, of the area, of the region, like I said, Ohio and Tennessee. Now, there's a little place called Harmon Station. Yes, and that is a relative, a very, very distant relative. Mm -hmm. We think about five greats ago. And the reason that Harmon Station is so important to this is because this is where kind of everything started and where everything ends in this story. There's a, a fun little road marker there now. Yeah, and I'll, I'll get to that in just one second. <laughs> so... So Matthias Harmon explored Kentucky in the Big Sandy River Valley in the mid-1700s. And so Harmon and his friends had come over from Virginia, and they built a little log cabin in the Tug Valley, and they used this for hunting in about 1755 in what is now uh, present-day Johnson County, Kentucky. But in late 1787, Harmon and others came over. They thought it was safe enough now to come over from Virginia to try to establish a permanent place to live in Kentucky. So they they built this permanent settlement in the Big Sandy Valley during the winter of 1787 and 1788. And all this, you can get from that highway marker that's out there <laughs> in Kentucky. And so that's where this part of the story came from. So Matthias had a reputation as a ferocious Indian fighter. And that's going to be key a little bit later in the story, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Well, needless to say, the Indians didn't like Matthias, but they had a healthy respect for him, and from all accounts, he was barely five feet tall. He had blonde hair, a blonde beard. He was described as a man with an iron constitution without fear. So Harmon Station was located near the cabins that they built there in 1755, but they had come over the mountains and... Basically, the Native Americans chased them out. They had to go back over into Virginia, and then a little bit later they gathered up more men, more supplies, more equipment, probably more guns and everything, and they came back over, and they, at this point, established Harmon Station, and then they came and they stayed. And so Harmon Station is the first settlement in what's, well, what's now. It's what the first settlement in eastern Kentucky. 
So from here, Kim is going to pick up the story about Jenny Wiley, the survival of Jenny Wiley. And this is an awesome tale. It's really something else. Um, so Jenny Sellards uh, was her maiden name. She was born in 1760 in the state of Pennsylvania. And when she was about 19, she and her family moved to Walker's Creek, Virginia, which is now known as Bland County, Virginia. And that same year in 1779, she met a young man by the name of Thomas Wiley, and they fell in love. And shortly after, they got married at Walker's Cabin. They settled down, and Thomas built a cabin where they could start a family of their own. Now, this cabin was just a log cabin, um, you know, made with logs that presumably Thomas and friends cut themselves, um, built it. And they had, uh, it only had two rooms, which was typical, I think, of, of, homes at the time um and they had four kids hezekiah ruth naomi and tommy so four little girls and a little boy life is going good for um the wiley family everything's hunky-dory and yeah. then but not um, so much about the first of october of 1789 jenny had no idea that she was about to make history so she had a brother-in-law with by a guy named of john borders who was he was married to jenny's sister and he was out working one day when he heard what he thought was the hooting of an owl. And that kind of struck him as unusual because it was daytime and owls usually aren't out hooting at daytime. They, they hoot during the night. So he suspected it was Indians. And then he heard these sounds all around him. So he knew there were lots of the Indians all around him. And so he, like I said, he correctly assumed that it was a raiding party of Shawnee Indians. So he knew he was in a pickle. And we're out where he was. He wasn't prepared to defend himself so because all the other guys were out hunting and getting ready for winter because it I was... I wonder why uh, he wasn't with them. Because he was doing other things at that time. Is he like guard cow? I, I don't know, Ken. So, uh, side note, cows, uh, we recently, or not recently, but we learned that cows actually clump together and you will always find a cow that is standing alone in a field and he's kind of the guard, she is kind of the guard cow to watch for the rest of the cows and make sure that no predators are coming by. So perhaps Jenny Wiley's brother was serving as kind of the one that stayed behind to protect the village or whatever and from the Indians that were in the area. He could have been doing any kind of chores out there, I would assume. And, yeah. that, and that could have been. But anyway, he knew his sister-in-law, Jenny, was home alone. So he ran as fast as he could to warn Jenny that, you know, there was there was danger in the air. And by all accounts, it must have been some distance because everything I've read from a couple different stories said he had to run up and over a hill to get to where he was. But anyway, he finally made it to Jenny's cabin. And there she was, doing her chores, prepping for the winter, sewing and doing things like that, getting ready for like would be typical of a pioneer lady mm -hmm. of that day. So John went in, he warned Jenny about the sounds that he'd heard, the hootie of an owl, and he, um, how he expected it to be a group of Indians. So he, he kind of anticipated this. He knew, I mean, they lived out there, so they were kind of wary to the ways of the world, what was going on. He told her to gather up her belongings and take the children to her, to his cabin because he knew they would be much safer right there. Well, maybe Jenny knew her brother-in-law, yeah, 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 and all that good stuff. Maybe he was prone to exaggeration because she told him that she wanted to finish up her chores. Maybe she was just that industrious. Maybe so. Maybe I, so. She, this little bit I think is really interesting because, um, you know, John left her, 
and went to go warn the other, you know, the other people in the village of the attack of the Indians. And Jenny finished her weaving. She finished her housework. She finished up what she was doing, like didn't seem to think that it was a big deal. And then she started to gather up her stuff, gather up her kids. Uh, It should also be noted that her younger brother was in their cabin at the time. I'm not sure if he was living with her or if he was just visiting But um, just as she finished up her stuff, the door slammed open and there was a huge group of Indians at the door and they rushed into the house ready for battle. Um, They were hooting. They were shouting with one another. They had their tomahawks raised um, and she heard them yelling something about Tice Harmon. Which is a nickname for Matthias. Yes. So um, she was hoping that it would save her life. Obviously, she they didn't have the right house. Matthias yeah. Harmon did not live so, with Jenny Wiley. Yeah, so they probably got this idea because the Indians had been watching the cabins and just to see what was going on, you know, maybe they're planning. I don't know what they're doing, but they've been watching these cabins. And one day the men had been out hunting, and it's not like going out for an afternoon and going hunting. They've been out for probably days, days weeks at yeah. a time hunting. And so when all the men came back to the, the compound, of the station, whatever it was there, uh, you know, Jenny was excited. She went up, you know, just saw Matthias and hugged Matthias. And so the speculation is the Indians saw this and thought that Matthias was her husband. You got to remember, the Indians didn't have a big love for Matthias Harmon. There's a story that says that one day Matthias was sitting around his cabin sharpening his hatchet when an Indian tried to attack him. Well, Matthias had been drinking and was pretty well... That's the way all good stories start, right? Well, I was drinking. And see, he was pretty well drunk at the time. And the story goes that he like grabbed his hatchet, jumped on his horse, and chased this Indian away from away from the camp. So this wasn't his house. No. And Jenny tried to tell the Indians that it wasn't his house, but, uh, I mean, they didn't understand what she was trying to say because they apparently didn't speak the same language. So she ran back into the house. And remember, this is just a two-room house. Like, this is not a big place. There's not a lot of room for her to go. Um, At the time, she was holding a baby. And uh, this is one of the the harder moments. Um, She, the Indians came in, and Jenny was forced to sit and watch her, her children, except for her baby, so three of her children and her younger brother, be scalped by the Indians. Um, Not... I mean, you have to remember, like, if you think about scalping, they were all alive. The children had to have been scared to death. They didn't know what was happening. They felt every ounce of everything. Um, Jenny couldn't do anything about it because she was afraid of being killed herself. I cannot imagine watching your children. I mean, her children were killed right in front of her. Yeah, the, well, the story goes on. Like I said, it's she's, she's wor- a tough this lady. Is, this is not even the worst of it. Yeah, it, you it's going to get more. You would think that it is. Um, and after the Indians had scalped all her children, three for four children, um, and her younger brother, they mm-hmm. took their scalps, and one of them came after her in an attempt to take her youngest baby from her, which this whole time she was holding. Somehow she fought them off, and she refused to let go of her baby, and the um, Shawnee chief Black Wolf called uh, the the men off. I don't. I'm not sure. I would love to know how many men there were for the. Because you got to think, she probably was not a real big lady. 
Like I'm sure she was, I'm sure she was strong because frontier life was hard. And I'm sure that, you know, she worked the land alongside her husband and she, I'm sure she was strong, but at the same time, she was a woman up against a crowd of men. Biologically, she just like size wise, she's just not as big and not as strong as as she was fighting protect her, her baby. That's true though. So, um, yeah, you don't mess with a mama when she's got her baby. But so finally, uh, they left the house after they'd set it on fire with Jenny and her baby being forcefully dragged behind. Also, by the way, not only does she have a baby, she's also pregnant. Yep. So Jenny Wiley just watched three of her four children and her little brother get scalped, murdered. Her house was set on fire. Now this pregnant woman, heavily pregnant, mind you, she's like in her eighth or ninth month, and her infant are being dragged along. She doesn't know where she's going. She doesn't know what's going to happen to her. Her husband's out on a raiding party. Her brother-in-law is gone to get help. Yeah. She doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. So night came, and the the Indians had her, and they're taking her. But because of all those conditions, especially being pregnant, I would assume... And carrying her baby, Jenny was having a hard time keeping up. It, it was raining. She was soaked to the bone. Like I said, she was carrying her baby, the one she had saved from them, yeah. and she was pregnant. So that didn't help the situation at all. And to top this all off, the baby was starting to get sick. Now, one of the Indians, one of the chief's name was Cap John, and he was getting mad at Jenny because she couldn't keep up. He suggested at this point that they needed to kill the baby because it was slowing them down. There was another Indian chief there, and his name was Black Wolf, and Jenny pleaded with Black Wolf not to kill her baby. Now, Black Wolf is the one that has already come to her aid once before. Uh, You remember that um, already Black Wolf had saved her baby one time when the Indians that came into her house wanted to kill it, and he called them off, and so now he's saving her again, saving this child again. Yeah, well, so Black Wolf convinced Cap John not to kill the baby under the condition that she keeps up with the pace and that she doesn't slow him down. So they, they traveled all night. The next day, they stopped to rest and they stopped to eat. They tried to give Jenny food, but she refused to eat. Meanwhile, the baby is getting more and more sick. So things are going downhill right here. Black Wolf, he was also a medicine man. Well, that's convenient. Went out into the woods to gather some herbs for the baby to try to help the baby. He came back, he boiled the herbs from which he made a tea, and he gave it to the baby. But by now, Jenny was getting weaker and weaker. She tried to keep up, but she was afraid the Indians were going to kill her and her baby. Now, here there's some different accounts of the story. Some say that one night, Jenny slept, and the Indians took the baby, and they killed him. And the story that has always been related to me, and that I've read most often, it's what's been told to me, is that Matthias Harmon was on the trail tr- trying to track them down to try to rescue her. And the Indians knew this, that he was out after them, following them, and that the baby started crying. And most likely by this time, uh, Cap John was fed up with the baby. He pulled the baby from uh, Jenny's arms, and he killed the baby by grabbing the baby by the feet and swinging the baby and bashing its head into a beech tree. Now, try to picture right now Jenny's state of mind. She's been kidnapped. She's exhausted. She's sick. She just... 
everything that happened back at the cabin. Yeah. She just watched her baby get its head smashed into a tree. And don't forget, she's pregnant too. But because the Indians thought that Matthias was hot on her trail, they kept moving through the night. So she didn't get any rest. So they're, they're just pushing her and pushing her. And the fact is that Matthias was trailing the Indians to try to rescue Jenny. They kept moving until they came to a river, and they made pregnant Jenny swim across the river. Now, there were two Indians um, were on both sides of her to help her get across the river. And they finally stopped to rest. So this time when they stopped to rest, the Indians again offered her food. And at this time, she took it and she ate it because she's getting weak. And I guess she's imagined at this point, she knows she's got a baby, she's pregnant. So Yeah, she's- that's true. I think that would be really, really hard for me to, I mean, she's got to be just, I'm sure she's physically exhausted. Oh, yeah. She's wet. She's cold. Scared. Out of her mind. And I I would just give up. Like, honestly, at this point, you, you've lost four of your children. You've lost your home. You don't know where you're, if your husband's ever going to find you. Like, it, Well, she knows Matthias. Or she's, I, she's hoping I, that she's Matthias hoping is this. tracking her. But we know that Matthias is tracking her. It's because interesting, too, that Black Wolf, I wonder how he's feeling in the midst of all of this. Because I he saved this baby twice. I don't imagine... Well, then he went out and made medicine for it. Right. So three times, really. So I don't imagine... I feel like the Indians are getting a bad rep in this story, but it's really just the one chief. It's just Cap John. The, like yeah. the bad chief because Black well, Wolf they did is kind of, I mean, yeah, but they didn't kill her. No, they didn't kill her baby. Black Wolf kept, and, and I, that's why I mentioned Blue Jacket at the beginning of the show, because that seems to be, um, sort of an MO for the Shawnee at this time is kidnap rather than kill, integrate into the, into the tribal culture and we'll see that in a little bit too, that they wanted to, you know, integrate Jenny and her children, the babies into the culture. So I just wonder, I wonder what the dynamic was like between Cap John and Black Wolf, because you know, Black Wolf wanted to save the baby, both babies, like the living baby and the baby that Jenny was carrying in, you know, inside of her. And, and Cap John just didn't seem on board with that idea. And no, it, it doesn't. Yeah. And at this point, I wonder too, like, what was Cap John thinking, and what was some of the tribe thinking? Were they planning on using Jenny as sort of like, I don't know, for lack of a better term, breeding stock, or like, what was the point of having her with them? She's got to be like half crazed at this point. Yeah. Her spirit has got to be close to breaking. Yeah. So anyway, Matthias saw them crossing the river, and he saw them take a rest. And so he decided that he would take a rest. Probably what he was thinking at this time was he's going to maybe scout, come up with a plan to go over in the morning, maybe at first light, whatever his plan was, to try to rescue Jenny. He's not alone. He's got a a band of men with him. Mm -hmm. So they stopped to rest, and probably they're going to make a plan. But it was kind of a little bit of an error in judgment on his part because the Indians stopped to rest, but they didn't stop, stop. 
Because they knew they were being followed. Right. They knew they had to put some distance between them and Matthias. Matthias and his band stopped for the day. The Indians didn't. And they came to another river that was even bigger. So again, Jenny Wiley already had to cross one river after having her baby slaughtered. She's forced to cross another even larger river with, uh, you know, a guy on each side of her helping her cross. And it was super critical, like you said, for them to put the river between the Indian tribe and Matthias Harmon because they knew that he was after them. Yeah. Now, when we're talking about rivers, knowing the area and the trace of where they were going, I'm imagining the first river they crossed was the Tug River, probably around Louisa, Kentucky, somewhere in there. And then probably the next big river they got to would have been the Ohio River. Well, not quite yet. Not quite yet? Okay. No. Um, But you, I would imagine that probably the Tug was one of them. Yep. I'm sure. Um, but they, so they crossed, maybe the first river that they crossed was, I'm thinking probably the Tug was the second river. This first river might not have even been more of like a river. It might have been like a swollen creek, maybe. Maybe so. Um, but they walked until they came to the Ohio River. So at this point, they finally reached the Ohio. They could see the Shawnee Village, um, you know, north of, of the Ohio. Uh, and the river was flooded. Its banks were overflowing, which made it impossible to cross at the time. And this is, t- I mean, this happens even now where the Ohio River floods its banks and like Cincinnati and Newport, Kentucky sometimes have issues. Um, so it's not necessarily unusual. Uh, but at this time, they traveled about 100 miles from the Wiley House. And I'm not, do you have an idea of how many days we're talking about here? Probably traveling on foot like that. I'm probably guessing Probably couple weeks. No, probably three to four days, maybe okay. four, four or five days okay. a week. Yeah. Um, I, and it's again, it's got to be hard. Like she's super pregnant, so that can't be easy. Crossing all of this with like a woman who's probably fighting a little bit. Maybe, although at this point, maybe not. Maybe she's just given up. Um, but they've traveled a hundred miles from where she lived, and since they couldn't cross the the flooded Ohio River, Black Wolf and the other Indians decided to go back to the Kentucky Hills to wait for the water to go down so they could cross later. Well, they in going back, quote unquote, they didn't stop until they reached what is now known as Lawrence County, Kentucky, and here they made camp on Big Blaine Creek. Now this is in the winter, and if you're not from around here, it back then got really cold in the winter. I mean, it's been in the fifties here, so I can't really say too much now, but we had had that one week. It got down in the, but back back in the 1700s, it actually got really cold. Um, so it was a cold winter night. Jenny was put in, uh, what is only referred to as a rock house, which was probably like a big cave. And sometime that night she gave birth to a baby boy. And supposedly she named her baby, Robert Bruce. Um, So they stuck around for a while because it took a while, you know, they stuck in this area because it took a while for the flood to subside. Uh, And Jenny was forced, even after having just given birth, um, they, you know, she had to work around the camp. Uh, Her captors made her do some of the hardest jobs. And after a while of being ordered around by them, she started to pick up on the language. Um, You know, it's still the same today. When you're trying to learn a language, the best way to do it is through full immersion So she started to listen to her captors talk. And one day she was doing um, quote unquote chores 
when a group of uh, the Native Americans came up to her and told her it was time for her baby to take the test of the waters. Uh-oh. Yeah, this is not Doesn't good. Doesn't sound good. It's not good. Um, basically, this was a test that the Shawnee tribe had to determine if a baby would become a warrior in the tribe. So essentially, they started breaking sticks from the underbrush, and they made a raft to put the baby on. Um, and they put a, the baby on a, like a big piece of bark, and they said that if he cried, he was going to be killed. Okay, so you put the baby in freezing cold water. Yeah, the it's winter. Cry. It's winter. Okay. But if he didn't cry... I know a little bit about babies, uh, and yeah. I know yeah. the baby's going to cry, because sometimes you even put him in the tub, and it's too cold, it's and they cold. cry. yes. Um, and he's not with his mom, like if he's hungry or whatever, like he's going to cry. But allegedly, if he didn't cry, he was going to grow up and, and be a strong and brave warrior and he would be raised as a Shawnee Indian. Now, I have some doubts about whether this is a legit thing or if this was just an excuse that Cap John came up with for, to, you know, kill Jenny Wiley's baby. Um, but regardless, Jenny being a mom with now this is her fifth child. She knows that the baby's going to cry when you put him on a raft in the middle of a river and it's freezing cold out. So she grabbed him up. She ran into the forest. Eventually she was recaptured. Shawnee took her baby. They placed him back on the raft. And guess what? The baby cried. He cried. He was really confused. He was upset. He didn't know what's going on. The Indians heard it. And one of them grabbed him up by the heels and just like the uh, original baby that Jenny had escaped her home with, smashed him against a tree, just like the other one. Now, again, you know, I apologize. When I was reading this this story, like, I just kept, I, I visualized it. And it's it's a hard, hard thing to imagine. We have a, a couple, we have a baby um, in our life and another one that's kind of going to be coming soon. And it, I just the idea of either one of those, Babies, not like, yours, not ours, not oh, ours, but oh, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think you would know if I had a baby. We have a couple of babies that are, um, you know, I have a little cousin and a friend of ours has a baby. Another friend is having a baby. And just the idea of any one of those little ones, just, it just makes me shudder. It's, it is very disturbing. So we apologize for this, but it, that's what happened. Yeah. So. Winter came on, it got colder, and it got colder, and the Indians needed to move to a different camp in what is now present-day Johnson County, Kentucky. Other band of Indians in the camp told them that Matthias was following them and tracking them. So they, I think they kind of suspected that, and they knew that. But like you said, by now, Jenny understood a little bit of the language, so she could pick up and she could hear. Now, I just wonder if she let them know that she could understand I or, wouldn't. Or did she have to talk and communicate, or did she just learn and listen to kind of like stealthily know oh, I what, would, what they're talking about? I would totally play dumb. I would communicate most, mostly through hand signals because the minute that you let them know that you know what they're saying, you've lost the upper hand. Oh, I, yeah, I think so. So, I mean, we can only speculate about this, right. but I would guess that she did not let them know that she understood what they were talking about, but she overheard them talk about Matthias and him leading his band of men to try to chase them down. So she thought, you know what, I I better try to go ahead and maybe I should go ahead and try to escape because Matthias will rescue me because he's out there looking for me. He might even be looking at us right now. I don't know, but she knows 
that Matthias is out there looking for. That's a hard thing, too, though, because she doesn't know where he is. You know, she doesn't know, is he north, south, east, There's west? There's a lot of faith. There is. Got to be going on right here. But she doesn't know north, south, east, west. Like, if she does manage to escape, which way is she going to go? Is she just going to be running further into, quote, you know, enemy territory? Or is she going to be running straight into the arms of Matthias Harmon? She she doesn't know what's what. Yeah. So Yeah. And honestly, like, what is her reason for living at this point? That's what I keep coming back to. Well, I think she just has that strong pioneer spirit that I guess I she, don't know she didn't though. Give if up. I had five children and um, no home anymore, you know, her house was burned to the ground. She, all of her children have been murdered. Her family, you know, she watched her younger brother get killed. I that's got to be so so hard. Yeah. Well, she just had that pioneer spirit of never give up. I guess. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, earlier she had uh, watched the Indians burn a man at the stake after they captured him and tortured him. And with her knowledge of the language, she kind of suspected that this was about to happen to her too. In fact, an Indian did tell her that that's what they had planned for her. So Jenny recounted that even with the news, she wasn't going to give in to them. With this news... She was not going to give in and give the Indians the satisfaction of seeing her break down. So that kind of answers your question right there. She's just stubborn. Yeah, because she didn't <laughs> leave the cabin when she was told to. She's, that's true. If she would have gone then, none of this then, would've, she would've we wouldn't have had this story right now. Uh, yeah, but I wonder how many times she's thought of that during this whole ordeal, too. Man, yeah. if I had just stopped my housework yep. in the cabin that ended up getting burnt to the ground anyway. Yeah. But Oh, that makes it even worse. But she was not going to give them the satisfaction of watching her break down. So that I think that gives a good clue to her spirit and where yeah, she is with point. all this. I mean, she had to be as tough as woodpecker lips. Oh, yeah. I, well, even just to be a, a woman in this time period, like, I mean, she's in the wilderness. She's got to know how to shoot. And... She, because her husband is going off for days, perhaps weeks at a time, hunting and, well, she had and to navigating. Survive. She and had stuff. to go get water. Right. I mean, she so didn't have a sink to go to. She's hardcore. So uh, they all I, had to be. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, her plan worked. Um, her bravery impressed one of the chiefs in this camp that they were in. He was so impressed with Jenny that he argued with Black Wolf. He wanted to take Jenny. He wanted Black Wolf to free Jenny so he could take her as a wife and take her back to Tennessee. So a lot of the Indians, remember at the beginning of the story, we said no one would, no tribes were really living in Tennessee mm-hmm. or in Kentucky. They were just there to come in and hunt. Most of them were up in Ohio or down in Tennessee. So this was a, a Native American from the southern area, and he wanted Jenny to go back and be his wife, one of his wives, and take her down to Tennessee. So the chief took out all his jewelry, all the stuff that he collected, all his valuables that he on all these raids, and he laid them out there for Black Wolf, and said, "You know, I want Jenny. Take this, give me Jenny." Well, Black like a Wolf, dowry. yeah, Black Wolf said, well, I, "I would think more of human trafficking, not well." Dowry yeah, I right mean, now. yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so Black Wolf said, "Okay." He's so, probably glad to be rid of her, honestly. Yeah. So, yeah. So the two chiefs, they went off to celebrate, and this really made Jenny more mad than what she was. <laughs> <laughs> she just been yeah. traded 
for basically a bunch of trinkets, and yeah. she'd been traded. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, so you know what we know of her right now, she has <laughs> probably got a fire in her that is just burning. <laughs> so in the morning, they told her the Indians told her they were going to go hunting. So they tied her to a tree, and they they took off to go hunting. Well, it started raining again. And so she's tied to a tree. She's tired. She's weak. It's cold. It's cold. She's wet. Yep. So she's slumped down on this tree, and she's tied. You know, I I imagine her hands are wrapped around a tree, and her hands are tied behind the tree. But then she's slumped down. I kind of wonder, too, about her. I mean, she had a baby. And without, you know, trying not to get too graphic, but if, if you had a baby... In a cave, I'm imagining, I mean, you have, everything has to go exactly perfect. Like no tearing, no complications, no nothing. Because if you did have any of those issues, you know, even if you, even in pioneer times, if you'd had a baby in a Well, home, a lot of women died in childbirth back in the day. Uh, yeah, but even in the best of circumstances, women died in childbirth. So can you imagine giving birth in a cave? If everything doesn't go right, you open yourself up to all kinds of infection, all kinds of diseases and everything else. So who knows what kind of sickness she had on top of being cold, wet, hungry, angry. Oh, I imagine she had a lot of immunity. Like right now, you know, kids go out and play. You know, we, we want the kids to go out and play, get yeah. in the dirt to build up the immunity. So I imagine she had a little bit of immunity, but mm. there is a lot of chance for infection. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like if you've got open wounds yeah, and you're traipsing through rivers and dirt and stuff, probably not the safest environment. Yeah. So we got Jenny right now. She's, she's tied to this tree by her wrist with a piece of probably rawhide. It's raining. So the rain soaked this rawhide and Jenny noticed it starting to stretch. Well, she was able to work herself free and get untied right. and get herself free. And then she she took off. And now what she did, she's smart. Not only is she tough, but she's really, really smart because she's been traveling with these Indians. They've been tracked by Matthias Harmon. So they're using all their skills that they know how to to keep Matthias off their track. Jenny watched and Jenny learned and Jenny started using these same skills against the Indians for her escape so they could not follow her. They couldn't track her. She took off. She jumped into a creek so she wouldn't leave Yeah, this is what makes me think that she probably didn't clue them in that she knew what they were saying because of the way that she's acting right now. So she jumped into the stream, and she took off. So now we keep mentioning that it's winter. Um, A little bit about kind of Ohio, north, you know, southern Ohio, Kentucky winters, they're, they can't, they're very kind of unpredictable. Like, they can be really cold. We mentioned that it hasn't been really cold here lately, but then last year we got sub-zero temperatures. So you never know. And they also are very wet. Like, today it rained off and on. Yeah. And so um, we mentioned, you know, Jenny's been in the rain. It's... So the Ohio River is flooded. This um, river, which it was actually kind of more of a creek. Well, and just with the terrain down there, when it rains, the water comes it off all, the hills. It yeah, fills up it, in the creeks. Yeah. The creeks so swell and rise. Yeah, so all of the waterways are pretty, 
they're pretty high during and they didn't this have time the, of year. And they didn't have the flood control. Right. Oh, yeah. That's so, true, too. Like, yeah. Yeah, the Ohio River didn't have any locks or dams on uh, yeah, it at right. this time. So, um, you know, River Creek, whatever, that she has to cross to, um, you know, she's kind of backtracking now. Um, it, it was very full of water from the rain. In some parts, it was really, really deep. Uh, later, this creek that she had to cross went on into a larger body of water. She had to swim across that to reach land. Now, bear in mind... It's winter. It's winter. It's really cold. You get out, this and is, your clothes are wet. Yeah, she doesn't have any dry clothes. So I would imagine that she probably is suffering from at least the onset of hypo- hypothermia. And remember, when she went across this river, she's backtracking. So she's crossed this river once before. But when she crossed the river before, remember that she had somebody on either side of her Helping to her. help her cross the river. Now, she was also pregnant at that time. But like we just talked about, she at this point, she's given birth to her baby but when she crossed it the first time, she still kind of had hope for this baby that it was going to be okay, that everything was going to be fine. Now, she's watched this baby die. She may or may not have some kind of an infection from the birth of the baby. And she's, I mean, she's, I'm sure she's weak. She's cold. She doesn't have anybody to help her cross this river. And where she crossed again, this is where the Indians had killed her baby. And interestingly, later on, this creek is going to be named after her. Um, it's So this creek split into two other streams, and so she had a choice. Do you go, do you go left? Do you go right? And either by luck or by fate, she happened to turn in the right direction and was headed back towards her home or what used to be her home. I mean, her... Well, the station stuff. Other people live there. Yeah, but her, her cabin, her, she her had nothing. settlement, her encampment. Yeah, but you, I mean, you got to remember too, even if she makes it home, she has nothing. She literally has her husband. That's it. Her house was burned to the ground with everything in it. She's got no clothes. She's got no animals. she got no, nothing. It's her and her husband starting from scratch. Well, she's pretty resourceful. She has proven. She is. <laughs> true, true. And she's got the village to kind of help her get back on her feet, I would assume. Um, you know, very soon she got really exhausted. She absolutely could not go on anymore. So she crawled out of the creek. She found a hollow log, and she decided that she is going to take shelter in this log. She's going to take a rest. Hopefully, if the Indians are chasing her, they're not going to look in this log. Um, while she... Now, this is a little bit of the part where sort of the the tall tale element comes into the story because I find this hard to believe, but you never know. Well, why do you think, what, no, you tell okay. why and then we'll. I, it is okay. really, it's, it's really interesting. She, so while she is laying in this log, she's completely drained, exhausted. She falls asleep inside the hollow log and she has a dream. Remember Steve mentioned that there was a young man who Basically, the Shawnee had burned at the stake. And so Jenny has a dream while she's sleeping in this log of a young, of the boy that was burned at the stake the day before. And in her dream, she was lost. She didn't know which way to go. The Indians were trailing not far behind her. The boy that was burned at the stake came to her in her dream, told her to keep going downstream and take the path that had wood chips from a white man's axe laying on the ground. Now Jenny wakes up. She hears footsteps, she hears voices, 
She realizes it's the Shawnee. They've been following her. They tracked her. Her best efforts at being avoided were for nothing. Uh, maybe they not. They found her. They know that she's in the area. She's probably, uh, if they find her, you know she's, she's dead. She's dead. Like, she has no, they're not going to let her live after this. They kept coming closer and closer. Um, from what she could hear, they were standing literally right on top of the log that she was sleeping in. Fate. She happened. Fate kicks in right here. She happened. She looks at the mouth of the log where she had crawled in. She must have been asleep for a while because she says that she, while she was sleeping, a spider had woven a web on the log, closing her in. So... Somehow, see, this is where the tall tale element also comes into play for me because the Indians saw that a spider had woven a web on the mouth of the log so they didn't bother looking in the log, but if they had seen enough to see that the spider had woven a web, they would have already been looking in the log, right? No, not necessarily. I mean, if it's the end of the log, you you look down. If they're standing, you look down, they can see the the spider web. That doesn't mean they got down their knees and looked in the log to see it. I mean, as they're standing there, they yeah. I think they could have seen the spider web. I mean, I've seen. It must have been like a like long that. log then, because I can't imagine like looking down at a log and not noticing no, well, seeing a spider web and not seeing the person just behind she, the spider web. She crawled inside of it, so I, it was big enough to hold her. Yeah. I guess she must have scooted yeah. way down toward the other end or something yeah. and made herself so super tiny. I, I think there's a good place to point out all these, everything that we're talking about right now is as told by yes. Jenny Wiley. Yes, this so, is as Jenny Wiley says. Yeah, because no one was following her and writing this down. Right, so believe it if you want to believe it. Don't believe it if you don't want to believe it. This is her account. I tend to believe it. I'm a little bit more skeptical, but that's okay. That's fine. Mm-hmm. To each his own. Um, the Indians had a dog with them, and they finally started moving on, but the dog that, that was with them was kind of falling behind because he could smell Jenny. He knew that she was there in the log or around the area. Well, she was praying that the dog wouldn't give her away, but he came, he put a snout in the log, Jenny grabs the dog's snout and she held it shut so that he couldn't bark. And eventually she let go of the dog, but she discovered that she had held it so tight and for so long that she'd actually killed the dog. Mm. Like she had cut off the dog's airway. Not only was she not letting it bark, she wasn't letting it breathe. And, and again, this is where I just, I have a hard time See, with this because I, she's, I don't because truth is stranger than fiction most I guess, times, but she's weak. She's tired. And this dog, I mean, you know, if you try and hold a dog's mouth shut, like it's going to wiggle, it's going to fight. It's going to make some kind of noise, but yeah. she and her tired exhausted, worn out state state. She managed to hold it not only long enough to keep it from barking, but to kill it. Yeah, (laughs) I guess so. Maybe so. So again, that's what I I say. Some of this is a little bit of a tall tale in my estimation, but I don't, it could have happened. I take it for what it is, but I want to. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. 
it, whatever it is. Like I said, truth is stranger than fiction. Could be. And and honestly, we will never know. We can only go by what Jenny said. Killjoy. Believe it or don't believe it. Okay. So anyway, Jenny crawled out of her hiding place, out of the log, and started walking down the road in the opposite direction, obviously, from where the Indians went. She's mm-hmm. going the other way. Now, we don't know how long she was in the log, but apparently she was in there long enough to get a little bit of a rest, and that gave her a little bit of strength right now. So eventually she started running, and she was running, running, running as fast as she could. After a while, guess what happened? She came to a fork in the path. Now, she went back to her dream. Not She didn't know which way to go, so she went back to her dream. She remembered that the boy in her dream told her go down the path where she saw the wood chips. So she went down the path. Well, she actually she went down both paths for a short little distance. And guess what she saw on the one path? Wood chips. She saw wood chips. So again, like it's so like it's so unbelievable. But then at the same time, why would she, she make something like, like that? Why would she have to make that up? Right. That yeah. Story? And you've that's heard an about unnecessary lie. And, and, or, you yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I mean, you've heard about like a woman's crazy. intuition. Yeah. And you, you yourself, you've had dreams that I would have said you're crazy. But they didn't come true. I had a well, dream that I was going to die before I turned 37, and here we are. Yeah, but you've had <laughs> other dreams that were like, eh, kind of. Yeah, that's true. I don't. Yeah. It's just crazy to me. I don't know. Anyway, so she found the path with yeah with with the log the chips. log chips and so she kept on that path in the direction she thought would lead her home because of her dream. Let's call it a, a premonition. A, let's call it a premonition right. at this point right here. So she she kept on going. She ran for hours a little bit and she came to another river, probably one of the rivers. Well, I know it. It's one of the rivers she already passed. Yeah. And across the river, she saw a cabin. And she saw an old man sitting out on the porch. And Jenny started yelling like, hey, 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 I'm over here. Because she knew the Indians were probably trailing her again. Yeah. And so she started yelling. And then she recognized that the man across the river was none other than Henry Skaggs. And she just kept yelling, help me, help me, save me, save me from the Indians, save me, help me. So Henry heard her. And now, had she, so she knew Henry Skaggs. Like, is this a, yeah. like a neighbor of hers? Yeah, from back at the beginning of the story. So this is interesting to me, too. If you are a bluegrass fan at all, you know the name Skaggs. One of, maybe you don't even have to be a bluegrass fan to know Ricky Skaggs, who is from this part of the country. I'm sure that it must be a distant relation of his. Probably, I would venture to say it probably is. Interesting Interesting. It is. I, you know, I, I hadn't even thought of that, but I... I would, it's spelled exactly the same, S-K-A-G-G-S, I, yep. I, and they're from the same part of the country. So I bet you, if it's so it's on the river, um, Ricky Skaggs is from Louisa, so yep. this is probably the Tug River, again, that she's back no, this at. No, this would be the Big Sandy at this point. Oh, okay. This would be the Big Sandy. Okay. So now we're talking the area between, um, well, Harmon Station. Louisa and Inez? No. Harmon Station is just outside of Paintsville, Kentucky. Okay. Right, right on the river. Oh yeah, okay. Okay, so that and that's where Harmon Station is. That's where the road marker is. Okay. So anyway, so she's yelling for Henry to come save her. So Henry sees her, but the river's big. He can't. And he's get across. old. He's old. Yeah. And he hears her, 
and he starts to make a raft. Now, when we say a raft, I, you know, he probably pieced together some wood or something like that, right. lashed it together, tied it together to help him. Whatever he can use to get to her quickly. Yeah. I mean, he probably senses there's danger right now for her. I mean, I, I'm I, sure yeah, she's probably all kinds of freaked out. I mean, it's not like, hey, Henry, can you help yeah, me hey, get across the river? She's, she's yelling. Yeah. She's screaming. He sees the panic in her right now. So he knows that he needs to really hurry and get this done. So he finally, he works. He gets this raft put together. I mean, he's chopping wood. He's doing stuff to get this raft put together. He pushes the raft out into the stream. And he, he wades across, and he, you know, I imagine he has to paddle, and he has to do all this stuff. He gets out to the river. He gets to Jenny. He pulls her up on the raft and tells her to basically hang on, and he starts working his way back across the river. And so I, I would imagine the adrenaline right now is... This is like a movie. It is. It, it's I, like I, the I, climax of a movie. It is. Yeah. Ugh, unbelievable. So he gets in, he's paddling back. The other side, as fast as he could possibly go. But again, I think he sensed that there was yeah. danger right there. They they didn't even make it halfway back across the river when the Indians did. They came out of the oh woods. My gosh. So, yeah, I mean, think about this. It would be an awesome movie like this. If you're a filmmaker. Make this movie. Make this movie. Yeah. So the Indians came out of the woods. They saw Jenny with Henry on the raft. And they're thinking about it. We we need to go get them. We need to we need to get there. We need to do this. We we need to get her back. Which is interesting because okay, so first of all, why why do they need to get her back? Probably for the same reason they took her in the first place. Yeah. At what point? I mean, she's been really, if you think about it, nothing but trouble for them. Like she kind of like. I mean, maybe not for this particular group because this. I would assume this is the guy that bought her from. Black Wolf, but really, if you think about it, up to this point, she's been nothing but trouble. She's given them a hard time. She's fought with them. She's tried to escape. She had a baby that they had to get rid of. She's not exactly prime grade A beef, for lack of a better term. And also, I can't imagine that it would be really super hard for them to get her back either. She is a tired, like exhausted, wet little woman with an old man on a raft, and they're, you know, presumably big strapping well, young the old man men. Had, well, the old man had a gun. Oh, well, that makes a difference. Okay. So while the Indians are, the, again, they're standing there on the bank, thinking about going to get her, and then um, he picks up his gun. He probably had a pistol with him that, mm. you know, maybe strapped to his side or whatever, and he fired at the Indians. And at this point, the Indians said, you know what? She's not worth it. She's not worth it. We're not, no, we, I'm done. We're, we're done with this. Let her go. We're off to other things. There, there's other there's, there's other fish to fry. Right. If, if she wants to escape that bad, she's gone. And, you know, maybe they said, you know what? The river's cold and we're not going to get wet anymore. So just let her go. So uh, Henry shot at the Indians. They took off. The other men who were around the camp, they heard the gunfire, and they all came down to the river. Now, maybe the Indians saw this. I mean, timing is there, so maybe sure. the Indians saw everyone coming down, and that's when they decided that the risk wasn't worth the effort to go ahead and recapture her. So they take off, but by now, when the, when the other men got there, they had made it to shore, 
Henry had pulled her up mm-hmm. and was had some dry clothes that he'd found. So I mean, it's it's kind of off on the timing here. Yeah, you know, did but, he go into I a mean, cabin get her some clothes? I don't know. But anyway, he got her out of the river. He was getting her into some dry clothes. She's safe. She's safe now. Yeah. Um, not long after this, she was, Jenny was reunited with her husband, Thomas, who at this point, that's all she's got left. Remember her family has, you know, wherever they are, but her immediate family, her children are all dead. Her house is burned. Her land is, you know, whatever. So she's got Thomas. Um, surprisingly to me, I don't know why I'm surprised, but it surprised me. Jenny and Thomas went home they built another cabin in the exact same spot where their original cabin had burned to the ground. So mm. again, I mean, I guess it's just like, you know, this is, this is home. Like, of course I'm going to rebuild there, I think but you maybe trying to put a lot of it into today's that's perspective. True. That's true. You're not, yeah. a t- you're not a tough pioneer. Woman I am like Jenny very Wilder. much not a tough, no, I'm not a tough, not. any kind of woman. Um, but eventually they did leave. They moved to Kentucky. They had six more children. Yeah. That's so, a lot of kids. So she ended up with, what, 11 kids total that she'd given birth to, which I guess was not, like, a lot for that. I mean, it was average, I guess, maybe for that time period, but I don't know. That still seems like a lot to me. Uh, and, I don't think so for the time. Yeah, I don't know how many of them lived, but they had, Jenny and Thomas had six more I mean, children. my grandmother had 12, 13 kids. That's true. And yeah. your grandmother was from that part of the country. Yeah. And my grandfather had a lot of kids. My grandma, I don't know, but I think it was just yeah. It, back I mean, in the not day, not a lot else to, it was, it to was do. Just back in the day, have kids. Um, Jenny Wiley actually lived to be seventy-one years old. She died in eighteen thirty-one. Her grave can still be found on a hill in Johnson County, Kentucky, overlooking the Big Sandy River, where she was saved. Yeah, it's it's all right there in that area, and you've traveled to that area quite yeah. a bit. I still have a lot of relatives. I have, in that area. and it's really interesting. If you ever get the chance to go through eastern Kentucky, um, there are quite a few markers devoted to Jenny Wiley and, and, this, um, and this sort of uh, ad- adventure, I guess. Um, there's a state park. Jenny Wiley State Park. Jenny Wiley State Park. There's is a named creek after named after her. So there, there are. Yeah. I mean, there may not be like memorial. Memorial. There is a memorial, I think, to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are several things that are, um, you know, attributed to Jenny Wiley that are commemorative well, of at, her and at, her bravery. Well, at, at Jenny Wiley State Park, there's Dewey Lake. It it is a state park. There's a not a, I don't want to say a cabin. There's a, um, what do you call it? Where like a visitor go, center? What? There's a visitor center and a lodge. That's what oh, I'm lodge. thinking of. There's a lodge. Oh, yeah, where so our family can, has had like Thanksgiving. a Thanksgiving dinner yeah, there before. Yeah, we all together there for Thanksgiving one um, time. And it's a big family. Because yeah. like you said, your grandparents had lots of kids. But yeah. um, so, there, so there's a lot of things to do. There's a lot of recreation. There's a lot of history there in is. that part of eastern Kentucky if you were interested. So there's Dewey Lake. And this is all... Dewey Lake and, and Jenny Wiley State Park is near Prestonsburg, Kentucky. We're talking about Jenny Wiley, but that part of the country is also very well known for a very famous feud of the Hatfields and the McCoys. The Hatfields and McCoys, which maybe we'll talk about on a, a future episode. Um, but all of this kind of took place in the same general area, and it's really interesting um, to go through that area because it's very easy to imagine this. Oh yeah, it's it's 
I've heard this story my entire I life. I want to say that it's undeveloped, but a lot of the area, there is still a lot of woods in that area, so it's very easy there to are, imagine. There are bear. Mm-hmm. There is an elk herd. Oh, yeah, right by the airport. <laughs> uh, uh, by the airport, yeah. It's So it's very easy. If you're traveling through, the roads are very um, windy and hilly. It's very easy to imagine all of this stuff. Yeah, you can, on, you can even get off, today. You can get off the main road and mm-hmm. still picture what it's like. In Absolutely. That area. Okay, so this story came from a compilation of many sites of just history being passed down, as I remember being told. But a lot of this story came from the um, Blandon County Historical Society. So, so thank they, you to them. Yeah, so they kind of had the best compilation of everything, but. Not everything we took was from that site. So it it, it came from a lot of different sites. Yeah. But what a story. It really is. And um, do you want to mention that uh, Steve has a son by the name of Matthias Harmon, named after uh, the legendary frontiersman? Yeah. Frontiersman? I guess is that what Matthias is called? Our Matthias is a a little bit taller than five foot nothing, but. Yeah, a little bit taller than that. So. That is the story of Jenny Wiley. Suggest you go through. There's a lot of stuff on the internet about her. There's a lot of interesting stories about Matthias Harmon, about Harmon Station, and just these stories in eastern Kentucky. And I imagine as we go on, we will probably be telling some other stories from there. We, Like I said, we may talk about the uh, Your family the has some cool stories. The Hatfield and McCoys. Yeah, we may talk about them in a future episode. But, yeah, my family. But like right now, stories. Kim, this has been an exciting week. It has been an exciting week for an hour of your oh life. Oh, my gosh. So last night we found out that we were on pot. Is it Was it on Podbean? On Podbean. On Podbean. We're sandwiched right between Dirty John and the mysterious Mr. Epstein. <laughs> Yep. Or is that what it's called? The Mysterious Mr. Epstein? Yeah. It was funny because we, um, you guys are so great. And we want to give a shout out to Dayton.com and the Best of Dayton as well, because I really think that uh, being nominated for Best of Dayton has given us um, a huge boost in our listenership. So thank you to them and thank and you for everyone that has shared. Thank you, Podbean, for absolutely putting our banner on the top of the page. That has really skyrocketed. We have gone from... You guys, we are world famous. Yeah. You we, can hear us in all kinds of... What, what country did you tell me today that listened to us? Pretty much, you can draw a line across the entire world, country to country to connect. We have fans in Zimbabwe, guys. Yeah. That's unbelievable to me. Yeah. And so what's really helped, and it's what we ask you to do, if you're listening and you haven't followed us, please follow us. That's the best thing you can do to help us. Yeah. Look, we're not doing this show for any money. We're oh. doing it as purely as a hobby because we think it's fun. We like to do the research and we like to talk. And we've made some friends. Um, Oh, yeah. You know, TSP. um, Shout out to a couple of local Daytonians who will be on the show next week. So we're going to keep that a secret for now. Um, But uh, so thank you for uh, those of you that listen, those of you who share. Um, We have a Twitter now. That happened this week. So if you are on Twitter, you can find us at A Lost Hour. Um, is our Twitter name. Our Twitter handle. Oh, is that what it's called? It's called a handle. Uh, we have we have three followers now. Um, Gem City followed us. Gem City Podcast followed us while we were doing the show today. So uh, shout out to Josh, who is our other follower. 
and Steve is our, on Twitter. <laughs> our third follower on Twitter. But, but on That's the po- so sad, so please go follow us. But on the podcast, we we now have over 70 followers on the po- followers on the podcast. We do. And that's exciting. That so, is exciting. Yeah. But so, if you're listening and you're not following it, please follow. Hit the button and follow us. Yep, you can find us now on Twitter, you can find us on Instagram, you can find us on Facebook, you can write to us at alosthour@gmail.com. On Twitter and Facebook, you can look for us at an hour of your life. Um, we also, we have a couple of t-shirts. I'm trying to give one away. Yep. By the time this comes out, I will have given that one away, but we have a couple of t-shirts. So if you want one, um, send us a message and we'll, we'll talk about it. We also have stickers. If you want one of those, that's it. So from the 13th hour studios in Beaver Creek, Ohio, thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. <laughs>